0: I-, I can't much. focus unless the <laughs> gun is on the hold. Nothing is normal or natural or... Everything is a I'm going to start a collection of puddings and coupons that can be redeemed from
1: frequent fire <laughs> uh, We get out of the building. They made the out of my research. See, this is the scene of the movie. where you help me out? According to Wikipedia, Anderson is a surname deriving from a... Patronymic meaning (laughs) son of Anders slash Andrew Itself derived from the Greek name Andreas Meaning man or manly It originated in parallel in the British Isles and the Nordic countries Welcome to Wes (laughs) vs. Paul vs. Paul vs. Predator The podcast where we find out who is the best director With the last name Anderson Mm -hmm. Wes Anderson Paul Thomas Anderson Or Paul W.S. Anderson Yes, my name is Eric Anderson and
0: my name is Jeremy Anderson. Thank you for listening. <laughs> Good night Welcome. <laughs>
1: yeah. Man, that was a mouthful. Yeah, that was uh, one of the longer intros Welcome to the show. This is uh, I guess I just explained what it is today We're starting with a Paul W.S. Anderson uh, movie If you are a new listener, welcome Uh, we have in the past we have done all the Chucky movies all the David Lynch Stanley Kubrick movies Twin Peaks all sorts of stuff uh, we have a patreon patreon.com Eric and Jeremy uh, where we do uh, tales from the crypt episodes movie uh, suggestions um, what the hell else we're doing mafia month in September of 2020 yeah uh, so we're doing various mafia related movies and uh, you know uh, this is uh, this is the beginning of a new era isn't it Jeremy
0: absolutely it feels wow I feel fresh as a daisy coming into this new era of our podcast it's hard it's I'm, I'm gonna have a hard time not calling it Stan and Dave D wedding dates because that was what our our show was <laughs> called nay but a week ago um, yeah but this new this new era of our podcast is very exciting I couldn't be more excited to get into the films of Wes Anderson and Paul Thomas Anderson. But m- most excited <laughs> am I to go through the films of Paul W. S. Anderson, perhaps the most perfectly rated director of all time. I don't think anybody thinks he's the best of it at anything, and no one—it's hard to say he's the worst when you got filmmakers like Uwe Boll out there. But he is just like right dead smack in the middle of you know what he reminds me he kind of reminds me of a guy who like he's just doing his thing he has no pretenses of what he's doing is art at all he's just kind of like mortal Kombat. sure i'll make that why not (laughs) why not that that game seems cool
1: (laughs) he seems like more of a studio guy like a studio director guy who you know um,
0: totally. I don't know. I mean, it's
1: like not to say that he's not like an artist like uh, Wes Anderson or something, but I guess maybe less of a like visionary uh, like art cinema guy and more of just like a, like a fun action movie
0: guy. He's a fun action movie guy. I, I, I feel like he would be a lot of fun to go have a beer with. He seems like very chill, very low key. And again, you know, you say he's not. A, you say you wouldn't go so far as to not call him an artist. Uh, I think I'm going to go out on a limb and say he's definitely not. <laughs> he's definitely not like the other two directors we have yeah. on our lineup. And of course. I, a guy yeah. like this has more films than God himself. He's made more movies than just about any any living director of all time. So we had to start with him because we, we got a yeah. lot of his stuff to get through.
1: <laughs> yeah. Not to say he's I don't think he's not an artist. I just think there's like a, there's a pretty distinct difference between Paul W.S. Anderson <laughs> and yeah. Wes Anderson.
0: Yes. And of course and, and um, I do want to make sure everyone knows that Paul W.S. Anderson does not stand for Paul Wes Anderson. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, yeah, so let's break it down, Jeremy The reason we're starting with Paul W.S. Anderson I figure next we do a Wes Anderson So here's my logic mm. Paul W.S. Anderson has 12 feature-length films mm-hmm. And two TV movies <laughs> So the TV movies come a little later And I think we'll have to figure out if they're accessible mm mm-hmm. Cause if it's if these are like Inland Empire situations where no one can watch them, right? Uh, we might skip them,
0: or if they're Inland Empire situations where they're just readily available on YouTube, we might just go for it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. I guess I forgot. I forgot that you but, can just find that movie but it, on YouTube. Like
0: it took us like we we figured that out day of recording that like that was available on YouTube because it's there's no like information anywhere that says yeah yeah so i
1: traveled to germany yeah, to right. watch inland empire
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh
1: wes anderson has nine feature length films mm. and paul uh including the french dispatch which comes out this year so hopefully we get some overlap i'm here. hoping
0: that they release that that would that's a perfect you know order that on vod film for me i would oh, i would yeah. love to have that in my living room if they wanna go ahead and release it. I know some of these some of these directors, the Nolan types, are really hell bent on having their films seen in theaters, which seems like a twenty twenty one thing at best. So
1: I personally, if I had a movie that was on the cusp of coming out, I would wanna postpone it. I'd be like, you know, let's let's wait until once this is all over and people go back to the movies, it's gonna be like Going to be nuts for sure. Places are going to be
0: madhouses
1: for sure. I think that's going to be you want to be part of that excitement,
0: yeah. Or, Uh, or it could go, I think it could go another way too, where people are still going to be trepidatious to go out, even though the CDC is like coronavirus is over, we cured it. I think people, I have a feeling people are still going to kind of be like, uh. Yeah, I that's true. Well, uh,
1: have you done any of the new uh, releases where you pay like 20 bucks?
0: No, no, you, no, 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 not at all.
1: What do you think of that? Do you think 20 bucks? Because my frame of reference, I guess the example is I think King of Staten Island was like $20 to rent.
0: Is the, Did you rent it?
1: No, but <sighs> I mean, just for like any, like the idea of any new movie that you want to see. Mm-hmm. You think that's fair? 20 bucks? Yeah, I heard, rent I it?
0: thought it was 30 which I was also... Oh, maybe it will. I also thought was fair because... Yeah. You know, it's... Yeah, I think that's... Yeah. D- as long as the servers are good and, you know, we're, we're getting it... We're getting the film streaming pretty clear. You know what I mean? It's not a lot of like... Sometimes like with Netflix and stuff, I wouldn't want to pay for a la carte films. Or sometimes I hate paying for a la carte films on like Amazon because it'll stagger or like the internet will go out or like the servers will go down or like the transfer isn't as good. So as long as everything looks good yeah. and they're putting the money behind it to get it to you looking, looking clean, I'm like 30 is fine. Cause you got to think about it. It's, it's probably, I mean, not in your case, Eric, cause you live, uh, out on the road. But, uh, if it's, uh, like a, like a typical family, it's like what, four people maybe. So that's four people out to the theater. Yeah that's about fair what do you think
1: yeah I think that's fair I would actually <laughs> I wish there was an option where it's like uh yeah yeah that's actually a deal you know if you, if you got four, taking a family of four to a physical cinema before all of this would have costed uh not counting treats just the box just the tickets yeah. it would have costed you well over that, probably. I think it's so. A weekend night.
0: Yeah, I mean, depend, kind of maybe depends on where you go. Like, you know, we, you know, we live in big cities, so we can kind of have, you know, our pick of: do we want to go to the AMC or do we want to go to the what's the other one, the Arc Light?
1: Cinerama Dome?
0: Yeah. Do we want to go see a movie there? That costs us, you know, a hundred dollars or whatever for like a night out. The Lamely. Right. Or do we want to go to you know, Los Feliz three and we can get out pretty cheap, six bucks a ticket, something like that. So it's, it kind of just depend, but
1: I wish they had, you know, maybe like for another $30, you get a, you know, a socially distanced, uh, like, uh, Alamo draft house style server in your apartment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who's like run ducking underneath your TV asking you if you need anything right. every once in a while.
0: Yes, I love I would love that idea. <laughs> I would yeah. And then maybe for an additional30 dollars, you can have like a, a family sit behind you to make it feel a little bit more authentic also. and you can have them kind of talking every now and then, but not too much where you have to tell them to be quiet, but it's just enough to where you know there's people behind you
1: exactly you know what I what I didn't like about the Alamo Draft house and and, and those sort of dine-in theaters uh, is and I, I guess I'll have to change my attitude on this uh, in order to support the uh, the cinemas going forward mm-hmm. but I didn't like that you could never get away with sneaking stuff in you know what mm-hmm. I mean like I'm a guy I like to sneak in like two little bottles of liquor mm-hmm. or like uh, like a beer maybe a can of wine right Uh... And, a, you know, a, a bag of chips. I mean, especially in the wintertime, you can fit a lot of stuff into a winter coat.
0: Oh, for absolutely, for sure, yeah. Uh, have you ever been caught and told you couldn't bring something in?
1: Um, I don't think so. I don't think so. What about you?
0: No, never. Never once.
1: I do remember when I was uh, 15 or 16, I, 15 and 16, I worked at a movie <laughs> theater... And we would bust people coming in. The, the managers at this place were, were, were real assholes. Yeah, and that's
0: no good. We're
1: like, I mean, they were all kind of bitter because they were like, uh, I don't, they were quite a bit older uh, and they were, um, I don't know, they, they, they were just all like bitter and, and like mean. Yeah. And they would bust people all the time. They'd kick people. They'd have us like kick people out of movies for like talking too loud once in a while. Um. And I do remember one, one time they busted, like, a bunch of people for bringing in uh, Subway sandwiches.
0: <laughs> That's awesome, yeah. And they weren't
1: hiding them. They were just, like, walking in with, with like, all these Subway sandwiches. Welcome back to West vs. Paul versus Paul vs. <laughs> Predator. Uh, so, if you're new to the show, we're going to do a, a brief segment that I like to do that I started during our Twin Peaks series. Uh, this is a little something I like to call the Moose Minute.
0: Wow, can't uh, believe I... you're gonna do this. It, it's not even Twin Peaks time anymore. No, yeah,
1: now you're stuck, buddy. You love stuck, it, yeah. all right? I've, I got three seasons left, my man. This is this is, of course, the segment where I uh, update the listeners on my first time watching Northern Exposure, <laughs> uh, as well as give uh, any stray thoughts. Uh, another quick one this week. I'm I'm two seasons into season four, Jeremy, and. Uh, I gotta say, I'm glad that Chris grew that hair back. You know, he cut mm, it mm-hmm. for a bit in, in season three, and glad to have the old Chris back. So this is the uh, that's been the Moose Minute. <laughs> uh, st- stay tuned for next time. Yeah. Uh, great. Okay. So, Jeremy, what uh, what if any experience do you have with the films of Paul W. S. Anderson?
0: That's... Wow. What a question. What a great question. What a loaded question. Uh, Paul W.S. Anderson, I remember... I can actually very vividly remember the first time I saw his name on the marquee for his movie, Alien vs. Predator. And I remember I looked at it and I thought... There's no and keep in mind, so Alien vs. Predator comes out in two thousand four, so I'm like sixteen. Maybe even fifteen when I see the poster. So I this is like I just had gotten in to film and figuring out like who makes what movies and like who what writers do, what directors do, all that good stuff. So I saw his name and I thought, no way the guy that made Magnolia made Alien versus Predator. That was my first thought when seeing his name on the marquee, <laughs> I was like, no, absolutely no way. Come to find out, get, get home. I, I, be- I don't know how long IMDB has been a thing, but at some point I looked it up and yeah, no, not at all. Different Paul WS Anderson, you know, different, different Paul Anderson altogether. But I just started thinking like, Oh my God, like the guy who made Magnolia made alien versus predator. It's going to be so crazy. And honestly, I would love I would love if you know Paul Thomas Anderson crossed over in Paul W.S. Anderson's direction rather than the other way around. I I think that would be so much fun. It just immediately got me thinking like what what would it be like if a director like that came in and directed like a video game themed movie. <laughs> like what what kind of weird shit could we possibly glean from from something like that? I anyway. So, uh, Paul W. S. Anderson. I, I watched Mortal Kombat when I was a kid. It was like a huge thing. I saw it in theaters. My dad actually took me to go see it. Um, big fan of Mortal Kombat, uh, the film as a kid. And to be honest, I'm excited to watch it again because I think I think it holds up. I like. I actually think it's like holds up as like a really fun '90s movie.
1: Yeah, I was watching the trailer yesterday and. Uh... Excited to revisit it.
0: Yeah, I'm sure you've seen it, right? Mortal Kombat? Oh yeah. Yeah. Every oh, every yeah. young every young man in the nineties, I think, Rite of Passage, had to go <laughs> see Mortal Kombat. Yeah, so I, I I saw that and then when Resident Evil came out, I saw that in theaters. Um and that's I think that's when the problems started. <laughs> Cause I was watching Resident Evil. And I'm a big fan of the video game Resident Evil. I'm like a pretty big fan of it. I I love the series. And I'm watching the film, and I just remember, even as a kid, even as a 15-year-old boy, being like, I'm not loving this. (laughs) Like, Mm. I don't know why I'm not loving this, but I'm really not loving this. And being so confused that, like, there could be a movie called resident evil and it could be a bad movie that I didn't want to watch. Like just being really confused. Like how c- could this be, you know? Um, but it's all a part of yeah. growing up is that sometimes people make, go in for cash grabs. They, they capitalize on it on a known property an IP and they do it just for money and then what they put out is ultimately, you know, some sort of weird bastardization of like it's kinda got zombies in it, but it's mostly about like tech like technological suspense of like lasers being the big threat <laughs> and uh the story is really wonky and not and and doesn't really like make sense and and, uh, and, and so that was, that was like a big lesson for me was like realizing, oh yeah, this, like this person doesn't have any love for the series. This is, this is just a, this is a person who, you know, probably wanted to make this movie. They were like, well, we have this IP resident evil. And he was like, great. I'll just call it resident evil. Whatever this fucking movie is that I'm already wanting to make, um, or that, or that, like we have a script for. No, he wrote it. So yeah, yeah. Uh, so it really felt like, yeah, like the the idea that he had was wedged in to fit this sort of mold of a video game property that a lot of people really liked. And I think a lot of people left the Resident Evil movie feeling like, okay, there's no no video games will ever be made into movies successfully. It just kind of added to that that sort of running that running like uh, idea that was already out there that like video game movies are bad. They're just always going to be bad. Um, and with almost no exceptions, like even Mortal Kombat, which I think is a, is a, is a fun nineties romp throwback film, which is, you know, kind of self-aware, pretty good action. I still think like, yeah, it's, it's a bad movie. It's not like, it's not like, um, in the same caliber as, uh, you know, again, like any one of the films of the other two directors that we're going to be covering. And I think it's really fun that we're doing this because it's really going to... I think it's really going to broaden out and challenge what our notion is of of a good movie versus what is a bad movie, you know? Because is our definition right now, is it, you know, good movies are made by good directors, good movies have to follow some sort of rubric, or can, like, action fun, you know, movies done just for the sake of having fun and being funny and having action. Like are those can those be good movies too? And if so, would we even would we call a movie like Mortal Kombat or Event Horizon like a good movie? Um so especially when we're when we're like literally next week going to cover something like Bottle Rocket, <laughs> which is yeah, yeah. an American classic. So uh that's sort of my <laughs> history with Paul W.S. Anderson. Uh I I've never I don't. I've never had any respect for Paul W.S. Anderson. I've stayed far away from all of his movies since Resident Evil. I haven't seen anything else of his. Um, but that being said, I'm probably the most excited about about you know seeing some of these for the first time. I will say this too: it will be the it will be all of my all of these movies for the most part will be first viewings. So that is exciting inherently because I haven't seen any of these. So what about you?
1: Uh, you know, sorry about this, Jeremy. You're going to hear a little sound I forgot to do. Oh, Greg. Uh, <laughs> Hey. So, I, I I, mean, I've seen Mortal Kombat. Uh, I think I've seen Alien vs. Predator. Um, I've never had any idea who Paul W.S. Anderson is. <laughs> Actually, up until the point that uh, our buddy Michael Hearn, who uh, suggested the, the very concept for this show, uh shout out to michael hearn uh, yes uh we uh, uh i i had to look up who he was because <laughs> um, he's just one of those guys where like i was like oh yeah okay i like recognize some of these or i've seen some of these movies but i'm not like a studio like big budget like action movie guy mm-hmm. so like i wouldn't have paid attention to like i don't pay attention to those kinds of directors um not that i like uh, this is just not my thing. Right. I don't know. I'm more, I'm more, uh, even though I'm not the biggest Wes Anderson fan, I, I'm more inclined to watch a Wes Anderson movie, I think in general, but I am excited to like force myself to watch some of these movies. Now, one thing that I'm really excited for, I'm super stoked to watch event horizon. Cause I was reading about, um, how much of a train wreck it was. Yeah, And, uh, basically, so, Event Horizon. We'll get to that in that episode. The sort of crazy uh, background and how the how the studio kind of like m- ruined everything. Mm-hmm. But uh, he, yeah, he he just seems like uh, I don't know. He he. It, there, I get the sense that he um, see sets out to create like a great action movie and to just like, just like entertain people. And it seems to me that he's just too, like, like I said before, just sort of like a, an agent of the, of the studios. Like he, uh, I don't know. Like I get the sense that like now, or even like earlier on, like even around like boogie nights and, and, um, you know, uh, but, uh, um, Rushmore. Mm-hmm. Like Wes Anderson and Paul Thomas Anderson, it seemed like they had quite a bit of creative control over the final, uh, you know, cut of their films. Whereas. With this, like, I highly doubt that Paul W.S. Anderson had full creative control over the 2011 Three Musketeers movie. (laughs) You know what I mean? Because that's just, like, a huge, like, intellectual property. Like, I remember when this movie came out, and it kind of flopped. Right. And it was like, okay, we're getting another one of these Three Musketeer movies.
0: Well... Uh,
1: Or, like, the Resident Evil franchise. It's like, I don't think that you could be in charge of this, like as a director and truly like follow through with an artistic vision because it's just such a big, obviously it turned into this like three part franchise four part um, that probably made the studio a bunch of money. I don't know. It, it'll be an interesting uh, contrast.
0: Yeah. In you know, I, well, and a note to that. And I, and I do want to do some more research on this because I have this feeling that this is also the example maybe one of the few examples where we have a guy who is a complete chill for the studio <laughs> system's right he's a complete like nothing he's basically just there to bark bark out orders on behalf of the producers and the executives and you know capcom or whatever but then you know his decision making and his just you know his sensibility it starts to make these studios money like, I'm, and I mean gobs of money. Like, the Resident Evil film franchise, I've never seen another one since the first one, but apparently, those make back like unbelievable amounts of money. Um, I'm sure. Yeah. So, people, somebody out there loves them, right? Uh, and I think this is a good, this is going to be an example. If I'm, if my, uh, if my instincts are, are correct this is going to be an example of a director who started out like a, just a shill, just a nothing and ended up becoming the very system that he was operating under. Like, I think now, at this point, Paul W. Sanderson has as much or more control than most producers out there. <clears throat> like, first of all, his name does have carry with it some sort of meaning. So you do when you see yeah. it's Paul W. Sanderson, you kind of know what you're in for. Then secondly, I think at this point too, he's made so much money for the studios that he probably has at this point, I would say from about, you know, you know, Resident Evil Afterlife on has probably maybe not. I mean, well, I, I, again I wanted to do research on this, but I bet he has a lot more creative control. Than like somebody just starting out. In fact, I, I think that oh yeah, for one yeah. we know that he has some sort of creative control because he puts Mila Jovovich in every movie he makes and she's his wife. So right yeah, so gotcha. I think that there's that that this is an example of somebody who kind of grew into power one terrible action film at a time <laughs> until now he's he's basically you know the man the buck stops with uh with paul ws anderson but back in 1994 when the film shopping that we're covering today takes place probably not so much the case
1: (laughs) yeah yeah i don't know um yeah we'll see i'm curious to see uh i'm curious to see now i had no idea that i did not know what shopping was uh (laughs) if you if you're listening and you haven't watched the film yet it's free on tubi Mm mm-hmm Jeremy, did you watch it on Tubi? No,
0: it's 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 also free on Amazon Prime.
1: Oh, I should have watched it on there. Yeah. You know, Tubi's got a couple of
0: ads. But. Oh yeah. No, I mean either way, no matter how you watched it, it's 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 pretty free to watch. So
1: That's great. Uh to this movie before I I want to get into more about Paul W. Sanderson, before I lose my train of thought, uh this movie gave me the vibe of like It's 4 p.m. on a Saturday. Uh You're like, you got a couple hours to kill before you eat dinner. Turn on the tube. You go to like TNT or the USA Network, (laughs) and it's like 2002, and this movie's on. Uh And you just watch it. It's like a Saturday afternoon movie on cable. (laughs) It's got like that vibe for me. Yeah. Uh, And if I would have seen it in that context, I would have watched the entire thing. (laughs) I want to be clear. I'm a fan of shopping. Yeah. (laughs) I kind of enjoy myself. You like shopping. Paul W.S. Anderson. So just a little uh, background. Uh, Paul William Scott Anderson, Mm. uh, born in 65, English film director, producer, screenwriter. Uh, Anderson, well, he was born in England, went to uh, graduate. Okay. So here's, this is interesting. He graduated as the youngest student ever from the University of Warwick with a BA in film and literature, so a little bit of an egghead. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he then began his professional career as a writer for the British crime drama comedy series LCID, Yeah, uh, which ran for three series, uh, 1990 to 92. Then he met this guy named Jeremy Bolt. They founded Impact Pictures and... Uh, to raise money for uh, Anderson's first feature, which is shopping. So shopping uh, was released in the UK in 94. So the censors of the British board of film classification were not happy with the violence Mm. and delayed its release for months, hurting its commercial prospect. And when it was eventually released, critics panned it and some cinemas decided to ban it for promoting irresponsible, an irresponsible outlook.
0: Mm. Irresponsible outlook (laughs) Yeah Okay yeah I mean sure Mm -hmm. I guess it does have a little bit of a We're all young And we're all doing crimes vibe
1: (laughs) It's sort of like Just a bunch of people doing crime For no reason other than To just do crime
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah Uh, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I I don't know I, I guess It's interesting maybe we'll get into that Like what is the film's outlook Because to me it seemed like a pretty, you know, pretty down the barrel story, kind of like Aladdin, where it's like this poor poor bloke who, you know, has issues at home and, you know, is taking it out his his like aggression by like stealing from the rich, you know, stealing cars or whatever. Um it didn't seem like it had that much of a controversial outlook, but maybe who knows, you know. I guess you know, it is interesting to think back to '94. This is pre uh, Danny Boyle, and this is also pre um, Guy Ritchie. So when you think about mm-hmm. the films that will come out of England later on in the '90s, you know, we got it, the the British c- crime drama explodes in the in the mid to late 90s and it's interesting to know that paul W. anderson is kind of at the forefront of that in fact uh, if you know if, if i may read just a little bit from the wikipedia that you're pulling from here anderson credits shopping for inspiring channel 4 films who had financed it to also finance shallow grave and train spotting which are danny Boyle's, mm. you know uh, uh first first two films and uh from then on you have films like lock stock and two smoking barrels and snatch later on you also have uh Layer Cake, which is Daniel Craig's kind of debut. And all of those are very, they're all, they all have the same vibe. The British crime drama. It's very heisty. It's very stylized, very stylistic, very edgy. Um, Of course, everyone's British. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Eric, were you ever like at any point like a big Danny Boyle fan or big into Guy Ritchie movies or anything like that? Um, let me, you
1: know, remind me of some more films, uh, of, of both directors. I, Danny Boyle, I'm seeing, yeah, I mean, I guess uh, it looks like I've seen quite a few of his films. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not like, uh, I don't know. He's not one of those directors where it's like, oh, I got to see the new Danny Boyle film. But I mean, there's a couple of them I like. Yeah. Right. Train spotting's a weird one. Cause I watched it when I was a teenager and I was like, oh, this is like a drug movie. Mm-hmm. This will be cool. Yeah. But then it's to like deeply depressing.
0: Re- <laughs> right. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I felt the same way about Requiem for the, for a dream where I was like, "Ah, oh, this isn't uh, half bay.
0: Yeah, exactly. Those are very similar <laughs> vibes where it's just like, oh, I guess I'm going to watch e- have this per- character will absolutely lose everyone who loves him. Uh, and
1: Guy Ritchie, uh, I've st- uh, seen, st- I've seen snatch in Lockstock, Uh, not really not like a massive fan of either of those films yeah um yeah he, he dips a little bit too far into sort of just the straight action arena for me i think but i don't know yeah are you are you fond of any of these guys Yeah.
0: well guy both of them actually i was i was a huge fan of for a long time danny boyle's career i i was as interested in it at one point in time as i was darren aronofsky's career or you know uh, any any number of the G- Guillermo del Toro's career or whatever, like where I just thought he was such a vibrant filmmaker. Danny Boyle, you know, he changes genres with almost every film he makes, which I always thought was really exciting. And I particularly I particularly liked train spotting as like a, again, you're right, different vibe from like half baked, but I did like it as like for what it was. Uh, Guy Ritchie was my very first, like, very early on love of filmmaking came from watching Snatch. I thought the way that Snatch, I thought the the film Snatch to me was like what it would be like if like a, a really good at making movies senior in 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 film school made a movie. Like that's what it kind of Mm. was like the vibe of. So it was like, oh, this is the best one of these. This is the best one of like an early film for a novice director. And I thought the story was really compelling and like, it was kind of like England doing Tarantino. That was sort of the vibe. Cause it's all about, it's all these different characters and how all of their stories intertwine and all these like happenstance and coincidence that like sort of weaves these characters together. And he was always good at writing really interesting uh, characters like Bullet Tooth Tony, the guy, you know, the, the assassin who can't die, or Freddie Fingers played by Benicio del Toro, who's just like a a gambler who's so addicted to gambling that he lo- loses his fingers. Or uh, what's his name? Brad Pitt's character in Snatch is famously so fun. The Pikey, the 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 trailer park uh, guy that no one can understand what he's saying mm-hmm. but he's a boxer he's like a boxer who's known for bare knuckle boxing and if he hits you you go down in one punch <laughs> uh <laughs> so it's like it's like it's like that's such a fun mm-hmm. idea for a film it's such a fun romp i loved snatch growing up and then block stock and two smoking barrels that's okay too but um i really like snatch i really thought that's how you make a movie back when i was like 15 16 years old um, but then, you know, the, then you watch something like this and it's sort of like, oh yeah, I think it, it feels like this was actually part of a scene, a larger scene that was like, you know, British crime dramas, you know, uh, some, some, some maverick, some early, you know, rookie filmmakers in England trying to do Coen brothers or trying to do Tarantino.
1: Right. Yeah. Um, let's see here. So a little bit let's dive into uh shopping a little bit. Um yeah, so Paul Anderson. He's credited as Paul Anderson. Uh it seems like his first two movies he's credited as Paul Anderson. Mm. No, first three. Uh sorry, four. And then he uh I'm assuming just because Paul Thomas Anderson becomes a guy Right. that people know. Right. He, you know. Mm-hmm. Did the initials <laughs> you know i would have stuck with i would have just kept paul anderson and like get the trickle in uh viewers of people who think that he is paul thomas anderson <laughs> for
0: sure yeah because the people who go to paul thomas anderson films are going because of the name paul thomas anderson the people that go to paul ws anderson films are going based on the title or this looks like a shitty b film that we can waste some time on on a friday night <laughs> yeah yeah
1: uh stars jude law and sadie frost first uh leading role for jude law crazy our buddy uh gigolo joe
0: yeah gigolo joe it's it that's really what crazy
1: are you a jude law fan how do you feel about i think jude he's law?
0: fun i think he's a great actor yeah I, I really like him i liked him in a lot of stuff you know i think he's i think he's also a weirdo he plays weird weird roles a lot There's a movie called, um, the San Mendez movie called The Road to Perdition, where he plays like a a psycho assassin in it, who's just really quirky, really fun. Uh, What do you think about Jude Law?
1: Um, If you're referring to Dickie Greenleaf (laughs) from uh, The Talented Mr. Ripley, that's a huge fan.
0: Yeah. Oh, he's great in that.
1: I do like, uh, I liked him in A.I., yeah, I like. I I would say overall, I like Jude Law. Apparently, he's in the Grand Budapest Hotel. I for. Uh, yeah, he's that. he's
0: writing the whole thing. The whole story inside the Grand Budapest Hotel is. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh, okay. So we're like accidentally becoming a Jude Law podcast. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Just how we were accidentally becoming a um, Grace Sabrinsky podcast. There for.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like two you know years. how we 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 cover we cover like certain directors um I wonder if we'll ever like reach a point where we have accidentally done a podcast about like a certain actor mm-hmm. so we just happen to have talked about all of their movies it
0: would be cool to f- like do a super cut of everything we've said about a car- an actor <laughs> uh, you know after a couple of years like if we've yeah. actually done like one whole podcast just in different sections thrown a- a- out against like a lot of different shows.
1: Absolutely, and I think it would be great for you to cut that together. Yeah, think sure. You would have a great time with that. Sounds
0: good, buddy. I'll, I'll, I'll start it now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, let's see. According to Paul W. Sanderson, Ewan McGregor was down to the final two for the role of Billy before losing out to Jude Law. Uh, Anderson got offered the job to direct Mortal Kombat after New Line Cinema's films backers, uh, the film's backers saw the film. Uh, So, apparently, they liked it, and uh, they said, hey, this guy can do Mortal Kombat. Yeah,
0: he's got the Uh, stuff. He's got the right stuff, even though his film made $3,000 in the United States. (laughs) Jesus.
1: (laughs) Uh, The film was widely criticized when it was released uh, in the UK for glamorizing criminal behavior. We talked about that. All actors had extensive training and stunt driving. Um, I could not find hardly any information on this movie, mm. uh, including the plot, Jeremy. So I did it the old-fashioned way, and I took notes as I was watching. Oh, so my God.
0: So this will be the most authentic episode of our podcast yet.
1: <laughs> yeah, but still probably somehow more confusing than the Wikipedia plot synopsis that we usually use. Totally, but, uh, yeah. I'll give it a try. What do you say we, what do you say we jump into this bad boy? Yeah, sounds great. Uh, opening credits. We get this groovy, uh, this groovy action uh, action movie with the blue titles. So we're over this industrial city. Do they ever say what city this is? I know it's in the UK, but
0: um, Manchester. No, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, I think it's Liverpool. Uh, it's just a city where there's only shopping malls mm-hmm. and big warehouses. Right,
0: right, yeah, <laughs> exactly.
1: Uh, Billy gets out of the prison, and Joe picks him up. Cop guy tells him, uh, I could not find, what is, do you know the name of this cop guy, the main cop? Yeah, like the actor, like,
0: Jonathan Price? Or, yeah, or his character name, f- Conway? What's his character Conway. name?
1: Conway. Conway, okay. Yeah, so Conway tells him next time it won't be three months and then he says, you know, what's prison taught you, Billy? And Billy says, <laughs> don't get caught.
0: Yeah. Hul- Which, hilarious. <laughs>
1: yeah. Hilarious. I guess it kind of sets up just the very premise of the film mm-hmm. is that this guy is just like, a, he's just an adrenaline junkie. Like, he just likes living on the edge. Right. Uh, they steal some guy's BMW by crashing into him. Mm hmm. That's kind of a cool trick, just rear end someone and then get in their car when they're yeah. getting out of their car. When they
0: try to when he comes back to see who's 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 back there, who's in that car, then you're already in his car and you're driving away. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I also like when they they throw the guy the keys to their car mm-hmm. and then he gets mad and throws the keys back, but then he realizes he needs the keys. Yeah. <laughs> so he like runs back. Yeah.
0: Which uh, I, so I fully expected them to set up something bigger with this first initial moment, but uh, it kind of does just end there or they you know, they, they drive for a little while then there's a phone call, but not, nothing yeah. really happens I, with this guy.
1: I thought, yeah, I thought that too. I was like, this guy's going to show up again later, but, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, he calls the car phone and threatens them. Right. And then they were like, you know, go to hell <laughs> and, uh. Start throwing his tapes out the window. And uh, Billy Billy puts in uh, probably the most, like, generic techno song I've ever heard yeah, in my life. Yeah,
0: hmm yeah. There's a lot of that in this film, I think. A lot of, like, uh, almost mid-90s sort of jams. Like, this is a confusing time for music because we're, like, just out of the 80s but not yet into quite the 90s. Like the soundtrack's all over the place. It's got like Salt and Pepper. Yeah. It's got the Shakespeare sisters. It's got um, stereo MCs. That song that
1: samples uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit, yes. but is a hip hop song.
0: Right. Yeah. It's got that. Yeah. yeah. So it's a little bit techno y, hip hop um, I think we thought that the underworld, which the 90s was obsessed with mm. the underworld, you know? Uh, I think the underworld is uh, uh, techno. I, I've decided from yeah. the '90s.
1: Sure, uh, Billy. So at a certain point, spray paints the word "chase" onto the back of the car, which mm-hmm. seems like a bad idea, just from the standpoint of you know sticking out to the police. But I guess I guess he just wants them to know, right? Um, yeah,
0: mm-hmm. he want. Um, yeah, he yeah he's he's clearly got a devil make hair vibe. He's not afraid of anything, you know. That's what the the film wants us to know about this character. He's a he's a roguish, handsome devil, baby face. Doesn't care. Devil may care. Caution to the wind. Yeah,
1: you know he, he and Conway sort of have like a Dennis the Menace, Mr. Wilson chemistry.
0: Right. Yeah. And I and I will say just Jonathan mm-hmm. Price being here, Jude Law being here, it did give the film like. Immediately, some sort of cred. I, I, I would say. Oh yeah. I was like, I was like, oh, this is a real movie with real actors in it. I think we'll find with like Mortal Kombat the very next film, you have uh, only Christopher Lambert <laughs> 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 uh, as as a, as any kind of star power, which is uh, he's he's kind of a joke uh, of an actor anyway. So that's it's it was it was cool to see. Oh yeah, okay. Like this is some this is like a real movie. <laughs>
1: Um, they go to a big, uh, I guess like party slash hangout for criminals, Mm -hmm. uh, where they're all hanging out with their stolen cars. Uh, Joe's pointing out all the different cars that they, that they have there. Uh, I love this techno DJ that shows up once in a while. Yeah. Who's like standing on the, basically standing on his turntables almost (laughs) like a monkey, (laughs) uh, we meet uh, Billy's sidekicks, Monkey, and Bebop. Uh, Bebop is wearing a hat that, <laughs> that just says pervert on it, <laughs> which I think is very funny. Yeah, very funny. <laughs> Imagine walking down the street. <sighs> yeah. The, you know, so Monkey and Bebop are, are stoked about the BMW. Uh, we see Tommy and learn he's uh, been in charge of, since Billy's been away. Uh, what do you think of Tommy.
0: Uh, the actor, Sean, Pert- I've seen him in stuff. What's, what is he known for? He's known for something, right? Uh, he
1: seemed a little familiar to me, but I couldn't place him.
0: Yeah. I think he's like, uh, he seems to be the more, the slightly more dangerous version of, 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 uh, Billy, you know, Billy and Tommy, like yin and yang a little bit. Or I guess Yin and Yang yeah. would be like the 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 cop and Billy, but Tommy seems like a little bit more dangerous. He's got a little bit more of an operation going on. You know, I I don't know. I I, I to be honest, I he just seemed like generic bad guy to me. Yeah, yeah, not really. Um, <clears throat> You know, and, I, and I'll say, like, that moving forward, most of the film seems like everyone's playing generic version of themselves. But that could also just be because we've seen these types of movies done so much and, like, riffed on so much that, like, you know, it's kind of hard to, like, go back in time and be like, well, what would this movie be like in 94? Would it have been a little bit more impactful? Maybe. I don't know. But, yeah, so most of most of the film is a little bit, like, yeah, like Jude Lod's character is like, well, I've seen him a hundred times. It's basically Han Solo or whatever.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, yeah.
0: But yeah, not that every film has to have like every character be so unique or whatever, but like it just, yeah, there was a little bit of the, the punch of the film was kind of taken away by just it, the genericness of it, which I think is just a product of its time. I think it's, I think, I don't think it would have been as generic in 94. Yeah.
1: Um, so, yeah, cops break up the party. Billy and Joe smoke cigs. A lot of good cigarette smoking. Yeah, shots a
0: lot of topic. smoking. Yeah. Uh,
1: he says something about how camels will kill you.
0: Mm-hmm, I like that. So I like yeah. that mentality. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that there are only certain cigarettes that will kill you. Yeah, and
0: I believe her line uh, is like, let's take a chance.
1: <laughs> I remember there was a brief period of time when I was a teenager. When, like, t- someone I knew had American spirits and it was going around that, like, oh, they don't have, like, additives. It's just tobacco. Right. So, they're, like, way less bad for you, which I think they might be a little less bad for you. Sure, but, uh, yeah. But still horrible for you.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, cigarettes are putting smoke in your lungs. I smoked for like a decade plus, Eric. I mean, jeez, I smoked forever. I mean, yeah. I... So- you
1: Ooh. did like Marlboros or something, right? No, I did Camels, I actually. I was like a camel. Oh, or like
0: Parliaments, camera. you know? Like if I was feeling fancy, I'd go get a pack of Parliaments. What, what, you I you loved, smoked every now and then.
1: I loved Parliaments, but they're too expensive, but I loved those recessed filters. Mm-hmm. I was mainly a, uh, a Winston guy. Winston's? Cause Winston? Because Winston... And that is the reaction that every single <laughs> gas station clerk would have when I would ask for them, right? Because it was an old—it's an old man cigarette. Mm-hmm. But uh, I liked Winston's because they are uh, same deal as American Spirits. Like there's no additives. But they burn faster. Oh. That's my thing with American spirits. Is I'm like, you know, I would smoke like half a one. Yeah, and I'd be like, oh, I think I'm done. Right. Yeah. Uh,
0: they take forever. So too. if you're a,
1: if you're a kid out there and you're looking to get started, just start off yeah. with Winston's. <laughs> You'll know, you get it.
0: Yeah, I did. I do. Yeah, man. It's, not, I, I, it's so weird. I don't miss smoking at all. But yeah, me neither. Feel like it's somebody hypnotized me or something because I used to love it.
1: Do you have you gone back and tried to smoke a cigarette? I did. Like since you quit. Yeah,
0: I did last uh, last year, probably around Christmas time. You know, because whenever I go home, my mom smokes, and my dad, my dad and mom like to get drunk and smoke cigarettes. they don't, they don't like actually smoke, but they'll get drunk and smoke cigarettes on the weekends. And so I, you know, I like to go out and hang with them when I'm visiting. And I tried it again. It was just like, ugh, like. It wasn't even, like, so disgusting I threw up or anything. It was just like, I just don't even like this anymore. And it's such a weird... I don't want to say it's a bummer. It's actually probably a good thing. Probably saving, you know... Oh, yeah. Probably put, yeah, adding good. some years to my life here. But I uh, definitely... It didn't make any sense because, buddy, I smoked like a chimney. I thought smoking was so cool and I felt so cool doing it. And I loved the feeling of it that I... I and I would chain smoke when I would drink, too. Uh, Just yeah, absolutely yeah. loved it. And oh, then yeah. one day, woke up, couldn't do it.
1: Yeah, I've gone back and had, had a cigarette here and there, and uh, I always feel bad. Like, the first drag is great, mm-hmm. and then I always feel bad. Because um, it's usually when I'm with someone, mm-hmm. um, and they, like, offer me a cigarette. And it's great for one or two drags, and then I'm like, damn it, I have to finish this. <laughs> And then I I get, like, a physical, like, hangover from it. Yeah. Like, I feel bad the next morning. Right. Uh, Yeah. It's no good. No good. Uh, Billy goes off. uh, But it is fun when you're doing it, like, when you're addicted to cigarettes. Yeah, it's fun when you're (laughs) addicted. (laughs) Nothing better. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, Billy goes off to pick up his stuff from his old man. Uh, Lady named Sarah is there. Billy demands to come in. Uh, Finds out his dad doesn't want to see him. He's hiding in the stairwell. Uh, Billy goes home to his trailer. Uh, him and Joe smoke a cigarette in the car. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, police Conway uh, does a TV interview about how he's cracking down on crime, and Billy shoots the TV with a Nerf gun.
0: Yeah, <laughs> stop yeah.
1: me if I'm missing. No, 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 no. that's point.
0: yeah, that's that's right. Uh, <laughs> did we get? Have we've already seen Sean Bean at this point? or does that come like later
1: sean bean is which character oh yeah sean bean is he has the blonde hair
0: yeah he's like the he's the guy from like lord of the rings and and uh fucking um yeah lord of the rings and you know golden eye and game of thrones he like dies in every movie he's in sean bean oh
1: yeah no he's 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 coming up coming up up. okay yeah so yeah Yeah, so
0: you're seeing conway on the tv i thought it was interesting that they're like well what do you need to break crack down on all these criminals and he's and they're like more more cops more guns he's like definitely not more cops and definitely not more guns and then where i was like i was watching this going like man i kind of where was this cop in 2020 (laughs) you know what i mean
1: yeah uh, Conway for uh, for Sheriff.
0: Yeah, Conway for Sheriff. He believes in no cops. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, Bebop, Joe, and Billy hang out in Billy's trailer. They go to the plaza, uh, which I guess is in our cage slash another criminal hangout. Mm-hmm. This place seems, I gotta say, pretty lawless. Yeah. Like there's just... A whole lot of empty spaces where criminals hang out.
0: I can really dig on a place like that, too, you know, where people just come and kind of brag about their crimes and they all kind of like, they, <laughs> yeah. you know, they, they kind of like, oh, you did that. You knocked off that place. Sick, dude. It reminds me of my youth, you know.
1: Yeah, me, too. <laughs> Uh, Tommy rips. Uh, oh, there's a good uh, hip hop song going on in the scene too. Mm. Uh, Tommy, Tommy rips off some kid for a stolen car. Uh, Billy uh, tells Tommy he doesn't work for him. Uh, they leave. Billy gives Joe a shirt he stole for her, uh, or something <laughs> along those lines. Uh, Tommy and his gang get ready to go shopping. Uh, and which apparently is just stealing. I guess that's what they just call stealing from stores. Mm-hmm. Yeah, shopping um, is stealing,
0: in, in in the world of shopping, a
1: huge fan of when my favorite line of the film is when they're getting into these convertibles, mm-hmm. getting ready to go to this shopping mall to rob it, and one guy just yells, "Let's do crime." <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, that's good stuff.
1: Uh, so I guess this is a note that I wrote, but. Uh, I said, so I guess they're competing to do the most crimes. <laughs> yeah. I guess that was my impression of what was going on, and I think that's pretty accurate. Totally,
0: yeah. It's a it's a lawless sort of Mad Max criminal state that they live in where criminals are like the regular people, and there's no such thing as regular people anymore. And, uh, yeah, it's all about who can do the most crimes. It seems like some malls are just there to, to have crimes happen to them. <laughs>
1: Um, we go to yet another party in. That's a good idea, actually. A business idea is like a mall where you can go, uh huh, and you like pay a fee, and you it like you get to simulate like doing crimes in a mall. Yeah,
0: I love that. You know what I mean? I, I would love that. If you could, it'd be great for a birthday parties. So you could just rent it out and go. Like they if they yeah. intentionally kept it stocked with like products. <laughs>
1: Yeah, you can steal a hat from a security guard and he chases you out into the parking lot.
0: Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, it's like it's like skateboard-friendly, but like also not friendly because they don't want, you know, it's like simulating skateboarding in a mall.
1: <laughs> so, oh, that would be fun, skating in a mall. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they go to yet another party in a big uh, industrial building. You ever go to a party in a warehouse?
0: I think so, yeah. I think I've been to one or two.
1: I don't think I have. Yeah, I would love to go to like. I mean, it would probably suck now as like a thirty-one-year-old guy who is uh, pretty antisocial mm. and uh, afraid of a lot of things. Right. To go to like a, a to warehouse, like techno, like a, like uh, what do they call them? Rave. Rave. Like a yeah. rave. I've
0: been to yeah. Those, but I'm curious. Yeah, I think you should try it at <laughs> least once in your life. I've been to a few of those in college. You know be like either a rave or like a concert that's that's what you know you go to a warehouse you break in set everything up play until the cops came and kicked you out
1: you know i cha- I take that back i did go to one in denver uh that was uh a metal band that my friends wanted to see mm-hmm. and it was the loudest the loudest noise i've ever heard is this metal band playing and it was just in this like tin uh like Warehouse building where the sound just ricocheted off of the walls, mm-hmm. and it was—I uh I felt like my ears were bleeding, <laughs> and it, it was very—it was very unpleasant. <laughs> but I'd like to go to one that's like that's like this, where they're dancing to a—you know—smells it like Teen Spirit hip hop mashup fusion, yeah. <clears throat> Uh, yeah. So I, I also like, there's a couple shots in this movie that I really like. One of them being the overhead shot with all the people in the elevator.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Uh, going up there. Uh, there's a funny line where, uh, Billy says, King of beers when he's holding a Budweiser. And Joe says, uh, more like the Prince of piss, <laughs> something along those lines. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, Joe sees Billy talking to another girl, uh, Tommy and the gang beat some cop cars uh, with baseball bats. Mm. Good stuff. Yeah. Uh, Cops uh, chase
0: them. It was probably a good time to bring up, you know, Joe seeing that Billy's with another girl. The sort of weird dynamic that Joe and Billy have. I mean, how would you describe it other than sexless?
1: Yeah, I almost thought that they were, like, Honestly, I kind of for a while thought there was sort of like a sibling situation.
0: I also kind of thought Billy might be... They might be implying that he's gay, Mm. which is like... Because remember, the whole bit is like he doesn't want to have sex with Joe. Right?
1: Oh, yeah. That does come up later. Does that come up before...
0: That's in uh, that scene when he's talking to the other girl. She's somebody talks i think it might be like you know bebop or one of the one of the other characters talks corners joe and is like oh he's, he's talking to their girl And she's like whatever i don't care oh. you know something like that and he's like you know he's not gonna have yeah. sex with you or whatever something like that so something like that happens. there's a the, the, the scene kind of raises the question why don't they why aren't they boning down and I never got a clear answer on, like, what does Billy think their relationship is? Because, like, later we get that kissing scene where he rejects her. And I still, at that point, wasn't sure why. What's going on? What does Billy think their relationship is? You know, what does Joe want it to be? Yeah. Yeah. I
1: mean, I guess clearly she is, like, into him. Yeah. And he's, like, maybe is into her when it's convenient or whatever. Maybe
0: that's what it is. Yeah. I couldn't I couldn't get a clear read on it, so... <laughs>
1: Uh, Billy takes Joe under an overpass Near a highway Saying he used to go there as a kid (laughs) Uh, And then he's he's like Watch this And stands in front of a semi truck Mm -hmm. While she begs him not to Uh, Tommy negotiates with a guy named Steve Trying to sell some stolen uh, goods Tommy throws a tantrum That he won't get the price That he asked for uh tommy talks to joe and tells her she's wasting her time with billy uh joe gets up in his trailer complains about his tea kettle (laughs) conway shows up searches the place asks if billy has anything to do with those shops billy uh has some sort of smart ass answer uh, Conway gets pissed off and leaves
0: Yeah he's like I got all I got the shit I got microwaves over here The TV's under the bed On TV's Yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: They go to some rundown shop And Joe says people uh, Kept running cars into it um, Which I guess is where they get this idea To Drive into stores <laughs> Yeah steal stuff yeah seems like the least discreet way to rob a store but you know it's i'm not in the uk in the 90s true
0: yeah we're not we don't have that criminal mind you know we would probably you know try to sneak in be as quiet as possible take only what we needed uh but we're not criminals you know i think criminals they they have a different tactic it's to go in as loud as possible (laughs) Make it make like the freaking sprinklers go off because you're so loud and and have caused so much chaos and then just get caught. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, we meet, uh, yes. H- who is this character? The blonde, uh, uh, uh Sean Bean. Sean you meet Bean. Sean Bean's character, he's got the long, the long hair.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, he meets Tommy in a parking garage. Uh, his name's Mr. Benning, I guess. He checks out a uh, a coat uh, and negotiates with Tommy. Offers a lot less than Tommy wants. Tommy gets mad, but they make a deal. He plans to rob a place called The Alaska, which I guess is a shopping mall. Mm-hmm. Uh, Billy and Joe crash into a mall slash store and steal some stuff. Wouldn't it be funny if, like... <laughs> <laughs> Jay and Silent Bob were just hanging out in there? Oh, yeah. I mean, that'd be great. Yeah, it would be I know be it's great. a little... Wait, when did Clerks come out? This could have...
0: It could have happened. Clerks is like 91 yeah. or something. Huh, okay. Uh,
1: <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> he steals a, a tea kettle that costs 90 quid and some cigarettes. Uh, and then they leave and get chased by the cops. Um... He probably could have gotten away with getting some more stuff, I Feel like.
0: Yeah, I think this uh, is clearly just a Bacchanalian exercise and futility of just, like, causing chaos just to cause chaos. They don't really really even seem to have a game plan here.
1: Yeah. Uh, let's see. Tommy is mad that Billy and Joe robbed the store before him. Mm-hmm. Billy and Joe show up at some old warehouse. Uh, this scene was very funny to me when they're burning the Porsche, and there's mm-hmm. that like dramatic synth music.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, just see, it, it was just like a funny like uh, B movie yes. sort of shot montage, right? That I loved. Uh, Billy is like stuffing cigarette packs into his dad's apartment through the mail slot. Uh, while his dad sits there, uh, Joe and Monkey walk around some crime scene. Um, let's see. Tommy's gang shows up at Billy's trailer. Mm-hmm. They're trashing the place. Yeah, we get this epic rap rock song while they're chasing Billy.
0: Right. Yeah, they're going uh, for
1: through it. whatever this place is with all these cylinder, like uh, pillars, mm-hmm. or whatever.
0: Uh, it would have been fun to go billiard- location scout for this movie. I, I'll say that. Yes. Yeah. It's just like find the weirdest looking can't tell what it is place with lots of cylindrical blocks and cylinder concrete everywhere, yeah, concrete everywhere,
1: <laughs> just metal and concrete yeah. all over um, and various little bonfires going.
0: Yeah. Every trash can's on fire for some reason.
1: Um Billy realizes uh someone stole his van slash trailer. Uh he calls it his van, but I uh, it's consider a trailer it more of yeah. a trailer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh Billy and Joe go to some old train station. Uh it looks kind of cool with all the graffiti and stuff. Uh So yeah, I made a note, not very good robbers if they like just had access to an entire shopping mall and they don't have money to stay in a hotel for a night. Right, yeah. You know what I mean? Uh-huh, exactly. <laughs> like, uh, Joe tries to convince Billy to leave, but he doesn't want to. Uh, Joe kisses Billy, and his line, he says, come on, Joe, this is the 90s. Sex isn't safe anymore.
0: Right, which makes absolutely... I don't even get the joke.
1: <laughs> <clears throat> I mean, was it an AIDS joke? If it was an a- or. Or, like reference to like AIDS but I, I was thinking maybe it's that but like I feel like the night like 94 would have been late for that yeah you know what yeah I mean? like
0: it definitely okay. I it has to be connected to AIDS in some way or just the idea that like you know on all on TV they're just they're just constantly inundating you with how unsafe it is to have sex. Uh, yeah. you know, like, which is yes. true, you know, I, I, we did get a lot of that in the 90s still, we got a lot of like, propaganda that was like sex is, you know, you should never have it at all, the only safe sex is celibacy, stuff like that, but then, um, but then, yeah, it, it, it was just like, it's the 90s, sex isn't safe anymore, <laughs> but I was I wasn't sure, again, and I'll just reiterate, like, what, what, why doesn't he want to have sex with Joe like what does he does he not like her is he worried about getting too close to someone does he consider her a sister is he gay like what is the what is the reason here i, I did you remember hearing anything in here about what it could have been no. okay no yeah uh
1: joe goes to visit tommy uh t- tommy uh takes out a switchblade like cuts her shirt
0: and then kisses. it yeah she, kiss sexually assaults yeah. her yeah <laughs>
1: and then she says she's gonna bite his face off right and leaves
0: and of course we get that terrible trope of sexually assaults her but she kind of likes it because she's so yeah she's so um, pent up from not getting to have sex with billy uh very 90s kind of kind of scene going on here Yes.
1: Uh, let's see uh, another cool shot. I like the in this shopping mall where the string quartet is playing, um, and they're sitting on the stairs. Uh, Billy goes to meet with uh, Monkey and Bebop. Uh, so at a certain point, Joe leaves Billy, and he gets mad. Uh, he says something about doing one last hit. Mm. Uh, Joe ends up giving in and helping out with the, the this one last job uh, As well as Bebop and Monkey They scope out the mall Bebop uh, is in a car with Monkey And he is wearing a uh, Michael Jackson mask mm-hmm. uh, Billy and Joe drive and get chased by a bunch of cops uh, I forget the exact order of this, but Bebop and Monkey at a certain point crash and die, I believe.
0: I believe so. It's hard. It, you know, <clears throat> they die, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Seems
1: like they probably would have died. Probably died, died yeah. Uh, Joe tells Billy they can just walk away, and Billy puts the pedal to the metal, and an epic chase ensues. Uh, eventually, they crash <laughs> in the mall in front of a mannequin. <laughs> They also, they too seem to be dead.
0: Right, yeah. I mean, you can still see that Jude Law is alive, like his eyes are moving because he's staring at the mannequin. Oh,
1: yeah, that's true.
0: And I guess this is supposed to be here towards the end some sort of comment on like objectification, like sort of always wanting something that you can't have. Or you know, wanting a better life, but the odds are stacked against you, or, or, you know, consumerism or something like, you know, the poor people, the poor, the poor protagonist of Jude Law, you know, low, uh, you know, constantly wanting a better station in life, but not ever being able to get it, and right, uh, something like that, yeah, uh, which. You know, I guess I guess that stuff's kind of in there, you know. It is like they, they do feel like maybe they are, you know, the odds are stacked against them in some sort of way. You know, they're from the other side of the tracks type people. But there's also the something that, you know, as a 33-year-old man watching this film, I'm like, you are 22. You're 22 years old. Like... You have there's so much you you have so much opportunity as a young person. It's it was it's strange to kinda it's it's like hard to get behind the idea that oh man, their lives are they're 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 wastoids, you know, their lives are were over when they before they even started, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh but that's what the film kinda wants you to think and like empathize with that sort of youth energy of like uh not you know not not uh not being able to access opportunity or whatever uh at one point sadie frost who plays joe she does say the line like i'm 22 i'm barely a i'm practically a fossil something like that (laughs) like yeah Yeah. which is like very crazy to hear like 22 wow do i remember what it was like to feel like 22 was old i guess i do kind of yeah i do kind of remember when you know, when you're seventeen, 22 is ancient. When you're twenty-two, and you know, you feel like you're old. You know, you're not twenty-one anymore. That's young. Interesting. Right. Yeah. So, what did you think of uh, shopping?
1: <clears throat> so, shopping was uh, it was an inter- It was interesting. You know, I I do like it overall. I do I do like the movie overall. Um, you know, uh, I guess. I don't watch a lot of these kinds of movies, to be honest with you. I don't watch a lot of action movies. Yeah. Uh and I, I, I would appreciate like a little bit more sort of like character development, just general like background on who these people are, why I give a shit about them. Like I don't really sympathize at all with Jude Law's character. <laughs> I sympathize the most with Joe.
0: Right. Totally.
1: But I also don't understand like what her deal is fully. Yeah. Um, and I don't really understand this world <laughs> at all, which right. I guess I have more problems with this than I thought. But I wh- what I do like is I um, very much enjoy uh, a lot of just the aesthetics of it. Um, I love the locations, like we talked about, the setting. Uh, I think there's a lot of cool shots. I love the music. Some of it's like mm-hmm. yeah. just corny, just by. Virtue of being old and I Remember this time period And films of this era But I do like this movie I like this movie uh, You know and I think I was trying to Watch this movie as like this is A first film because like this you know A first feature film is uh, Usually The situation is like it's a movie That the person really wanted to get made And it's like their first big idea And their first not just big idea, but, like, something that can't that is, like, atta- obtainable. Like, they can actually do it. Right. Like, we'll see with Bottle Rocket. Like, that, you know, pretty low budget. It's kind of, like, a great first idea for a film. Because it's... You can do it without needing to, like, have a lot of, you know, people invested. Totally. In it, you know, like, telling you what to do. Whereas, I think with shopping, it seems like maybe there was a little bit of that... Um, I don't know. I. But as a first film for an action director, I think I like this more than a lot of action movies. Uh, I do like these characters a lot. And Jeremy, you know, I have this sort of rating system that I forgot to mention at the top of the show. <laughs> okay. But what I would like to do... So the idea of this podcast is at the end, we will have numerical data between what you think between your ratings, my ratings, and the audience's ratings to decide who is the best Anderson director. And we're going to do a score one out of four. You can do, like, halves if you want. Mm-hmm. You can do, like, a 3.5. So I'm going to do a score, you're going to do a score, and then I'll put up a poll for every movie on Twitter for the audience, for the listeners. And I will, at the end of all of this, crunch the numbers... We'll have a we'll have a final score. Uh, so for being the best, I am going to give uh, I'm going to give shopping. T- oh man, this is tough. <laughs> I'm t- I can't decide between two or two and a half.
0: So it's like between one and four. Chucky Freckles.
1: Yeah, between one and four. I'm going to give it two and a quarter. Out of four, okay, (laughs) Chucky Freckles. I like
0: that. Yeah, I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it a one and a half, Chucky Freckles out of four.
1: One and a half Chucky Freckles. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, I just feel like it's not a great movie. (laughs) Yeah, I
0: I just feel like, you know, if I'm gonna get, I can't give this one because I feel like for even for W. S. Anderson, it's gonna go up from here. But it'll net. but since it'll never be out of four, probably. I mean, not it could su- something could surprise me. I just have to give it get it get it low. Get it low down yeah. there. So it's gonna get a one and a half for me out of four. Chucky Freckles. Uh I also liked the movie. I thought it was you know, it is good for a first film. You're absolutely right. Um totally. I, I agree with everything you said about it. Yeah, it's hard to sympathize with most of the characters, Joe probably closer than any of the other ones. I think that in every for in every like great director's first film. Maybe not every but in most. You get there's always something in there that even though like the budget's shit and the acting's not good or the settings bad or whatever. Whatever the problem might be with that first film or like what makes it feel like uh you know a freshman effort. There's always usually something in there, some promise of something to come. Like, uh, you know, for Kevin Smith, I would say like that movie clerks looks absolutely like trash and sounds bad and everything's bad about it, except the script is really tight, right? The dialogue is really good. And, and so it's like, oh, okay. You can kind of see how this, this creator is going to have a good, you know, you can see where they're going to go. And like clockwork, you know, the Kevin Smith ends up being a a total wordsmith and, and, and and his career kind of takes off from the merit that he can write a good, a good dialogue. This film mm-hmm. is really interesting. Cause it's like, it's like other than action, other than just like kind of like raw action, there's really no other sense of anything in this film that you, that you can, that you can kind of hang your head on and be like, Oh, so this is like the promise of this to come. It really is just sort of a, a love of, of the action set piece. So it's just like, oh yeah, he loves to have cars crashing into malls and things lighting on fire. And, but he likes his characters generic. He likes his uh, plots. Very, um, very generic. If not uh, on the little boring side. And that is, I feel like that is a promise to come with this guy. And we'll, we'll have to see with every iteration, if we're right or wrong, but I just feel like there's not even like a uh, like with Michael Bay like I can tell when I'm watching a Michael Bay film and he's an action director. I don't know if I would be able to pick like if you just show me a s action scene from Shopping, I'd be able to go like oh that that's the W S Anderson style.
1: Yeah, yeah, I definitely wouldn't be able to.
0: Right. So we'll we'll see. TBD. Maybe he grows into it as he as he comes along. But um, but yeah, that's 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 gonna do it for me here on Shopping.
1: All right, folks, we're going to Wes Anderson next. We will be doing uh, Bottle Rocket is his first one, right? Yeah. Well, do, we're going to do Bottle Rocket. Uh, Jeremy, any anything uh, before we sign off?
0: No, just visit that Patreon. We got a lot of great stuff going on over there. Mafia Month, September's Mafia Month. Mafia Month. Obviously, October is going to be our, uh, our Halloween month, our spooky, scary... Film coverage, so I'm uh, very excited for that too. But um, so you know.
1: stoked, Jeremy! I want to throw out this is this is uh this is what you mentioned doing a Halloween movie. Uh, I saw someone posting about Halloween four the other day, Ooh. and I think we I think Halloween four would be a good one for us to do. Let's do Something it. Something to think about. Something to think about. But uh, yeah. If any listeners out there, our Twitter is at Chucky Rules four twenty. Tweet at us uh, any any anything you'd like us to do during, uh, I guess, Mafia month or uh, Halloween month, which is October. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, patreon.com slash Eric and Jeremy. Jeremy, I was trying to think of a good sign-off line for this one, mm-hmm. and I like the idea of keeping the spirit of Twin Peaks alive. So Norma, I'll see you in my dreams music